stirring words that we have prayed as a prayer, as we have echoed as a song of praise. You are the God who saves, and save us now. Deliver us, Lord, from a life committed to selfishness, a life controlled by sin, a life that longs only for this world. Let us see with the eyes of faith what you have revealed in your scripture. The, the life that is truly full and rich is the life of following Jesus. Open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things from your law, we pray. In the wonderful name of Jesus, our Savior, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Teacher was giving a lesson to her class on the amazing world of magnets. It was a second grade class. And she said, tomorrow I want you to be prepared for a quiz on magnets. The next day, class gathered. She said, now before we have our quiz, I want to give you a few clues and then I'll ask you just one question. And here were the clues. My name has six letters, and it starts with the letter M. I pick up things. I am powerful. What am I? Almost 50% of the kids answered, mother. <laughs> Took me a while, too. <laughs> but isn't that good? I pick up things. My name starts with M, six letters. For those of you that didn't get it, I'm rehearsing <laughs> what we said before the punchline. My name is Mother. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. Um, those of you who are not biological mothers but would long to be, I give you greetings and wish you well because you can be a spiritual mother. You don't have to be just a biological mother. And I know this day is a hard day for those who've been longing all of their lives to have that experience and have not yet been able to enjoy it. But you can be, in many ways, a very effective mother to hearts and lives around you. I think Mother's Day is well established. There's no danger of it being forgotten. Hallmark will see to that. But biblical motherhood, that's another thing altogether. I think motherhood is one of the greatest vocations in the world, and yet it's under attack by our culture. Uh, recently in the National Review, this was uh, 2017, Heather Wilhelm wrote a very interesting article about a famous comedian, female comedian, who said as a comic, always working on and off on the road for long periods of time, I've decided between motherhood and living my fullest life. And I chose the latter. Implied in that statement is that motherhood saddles a woman with children and keeps her from her fullest life. The comic went on to say, it's sad for me because I love kids. I ache for kids, but I love life more. You can't have it all. You really can't. So I choose my fullest life. Well, everyone has to make a choice, and it sounds to me like she perhaps made the right one because it's sad to bring kids into this world if you don't love them. 
and if you don't sacrifice for them. Abraham Lincoln said, he is not poor who has a godly mother. And I would say amen to that amazing statement. And so there is an amazing mother, a godly mother, that is mentioned in the pages of Scripture. In fact, we find her in our study in 2 Timothy. So let me encourage you to open up your Bibles to 2 Timothy. We're going to be in chapter 1, and we're going to look at a woman by the name of Eunice. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and the life of Eunice. By the way, the Greek word behind the English word Eunice is built on the word Nike. We say it more often in English, Nike. The shoe company Nike took the Greek word Nike which means to conquer or victorious. And this word, this name is built on that and it means to conquer well. Conquering well, to overcome challenges and difficulties. Now we read about Eunice in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Of course, Paul is writing to Timothy. He says in verse 2, my dear son in the faith, And then he says in verse 4, I recall your tears, probably when they parted last. Paul said, I long to see you so that I might be filled with joy. And I have been reminded of your sincere faith. Underline that word, at least in your minds. Your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. We don't have many verses on Eunice, but the verses we do have form uh, an incredible biography of a godly woman who conquers well. And the first thing I want to say is simply this. She conquers well by true faith. Sincere faith was in your grandmother, Timothy, and it was in your mother, and it is in you, I am persuaded, as well. True faith. When we went over these verses early in our study, we emphasized the fact that the Bible describes different kinds of faith. There's a pseudo-faith. There's a non-saving faith. It's a faith, faith that agrees and says it believes, but does nothing about the belief. The Bible tells us that faith without works is dead. So there's a dead faith. It cannot save. It does not express the fullness of faith, which is believing and responding. That's real faith. And so apparently this real faith was part of Eunice's life. Now, we asked the question, how did she get it? And to better answer that question, look in your Bibles at Acts chapter 16. We'll come back to 2 Timothy, but Acts chapter 16 And verse 1 gives us the background, at least implies the background of her knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the Apostle Paul who is on one of his missionary journeys. And we read in Acts 16, verse 1, first missionary journey, by the way, that, uh, or second, I guess it is, Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived. 
whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Now, by this time, Eunice is a believer. You would probably have to go back to the first missionary journey, Acts chapter 14, where Paul went to the same area and preached the gospel. And it's only a guess, but it's a good guess, that Eunice would have come to faith in Christ at that time. She would have known the Old Testament scriptures because she was a Jew. And almost every Jewish home would uh, catechize their children in the Torah, the Law of Moses, the first five books of the Old Testament, and make sure that they understood who Jehovah was, Yahweh, the God of the universe. She would have understood that, but to understand Christ, that probably would have happened when Paul went preaching in her hometown. And now, on the second missionary journey, she is a believer. That's how it happens often, that we know something about God and we learn truths about God, but at some point it all comes together and faith theoretical becomes faith genuine. When you ask me, if you ask me, when did you become a Christian, I have about seven answers for you. I, I, I think it's probably November 1967 when I realized I was truly committing my life to Christ. But in some of my Bibles, I have a little New Testament that says June, uh, and, and I was nine years old, and I gave my life to Christ, supposedly. And then I remember hearing the gospel preached in a church that believed you could lose your salvation. So every time they gave an altar call, I would go down the aisle. And so there was another time and another time. And I don't know when it was exactly. But I know this, I'm trusting Christ. And by his grace, I've been born again. And somewhere moved from agreeing to these things as being factual to embracing these as my life. And so Granny Lois probably got converted first and then led her daughter Eunice to Christ. And then, of course, Eunice wanted to teach her son. Maybe it was Lois who taught her grandson. We don't know exactly. But the faith of our fathers, as that old song was changed once to read, faith of our mothers, Christian faith, in truth beyond our stumbling creeds, Still serve the home and save the church and breathe thy spirit through your deeds. Faith of our mother's Christian faith, we will be true to thee till death. Sometimes the fathers get all the press when it's the mothers who do really all the work. That word sincere is interesting. It means true, genuine, Without wax. <laughs> Sometimes the Greek word that is used for sincere literally means without wax. You say, what in the world does that mean? Well, furniture makers apparently in that day would uh, be making a piece of furniture. Wood was very scarce. And if they had a piece that wasn't perfect, they'd actually put wax in it and then they would smooth it down and stain it over and sometimes not tell the buyer. Buyers beware that part of the furniture wasn't wood but wax. 
But a wise buyer would take that piece of furniture and lift it up to the light and look at it, and guess what? The light would show up the wax. And they would say, I want a piece without wax. Give me something that's genuine and true. And it's the light of the gospel that looks on our lives and on our faith and sees that sometimes it's not genuine. It's phony. This same word is used in Romans chapter 12. Let love be without hypocrisy. It's the same word that is found in 2 Corinthians 6. Sincere love. Genuine love. And that's the kind of love that was in Eunice and Lois and ultimately Timothy. Proverbs 31 and verse 30. Favor is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, what's the rest of it? She shall be praised. And so a godly woman is worthy of praise. A mother who is faithful is going to receive the accolades of her children. 1 John chapter 5 says that we overcome the world by our faith. Faith is the victory. And Eunice had genuine, true faith. There's something else in her story that I need to bring up, and it's simply this. And that is that her faith, through her faith, she conquered well through many trials. Now, Paul is the one who said, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And being a mother is a tough gig. Again, looking at Acts chapter 16, it says that she was a Jewess, which means she felt the oppression of Rome. It says that she was a Christian Jew. She was a believer. She had sincere faith, which meant that she felt the criticism of fellow Jews, despised, ostracized. Her husband, the scripture says in Acts 16, was a Greek. It's a mixed marriage, at least spiritually speaking. Now we're only guessing here, but it seems as though the way it's mentioned in the original language, she is a Jewish believer, but her husband is a Greek unbeliever. Again, it's only a guess, but whatever it is, it appears that she doesn't have the spiritual help and partnership that any woman would want who wants to train her children in the truth of God. Maybe she was a single parent, along with her mother, Lois, bringing up Timothy. Maybe there was a deadbeat dad, but there was little spiritual involvement. So think of it this way. She had social problems because she was a Jew. She had spiritual problems because she was a Christian. And she had domestic problems because she was in a mixed marriage. She was in a marriage where there wasn't an equal yoke, where they weren't perhaps pulling in the same direction. And then, to add on to that, being a mother is tough. I came across this article a little while ago. This was in USA Today, written by Christine uh, Brennan. And she was interviewing famous female athletes who had become mothers. Mia Hamm, remember that name? Uh, world 
world-class soccer star. She said, after the World Cup final, I was tired, but I knew I would get time off. With this, being a mother, there's no time off. It's 24-7, but nothing compares to it. It's the greatest thing in the world. Gold medal winner, being a mother's harder, but it's the greatest thing in the world. Here's another gold medal winner, Janet Evans, swimming champion. People ask, which is harder, motherhood or six-mile workout? This thing called motherhood is a million times harder. It makes training for the Olympics look like a piece of cake. I have a newfound respect for mothers. And Pam Shriver, famous tennis player, said parenting is, I think, the hardest thing I've ever done. I think it's harder than trying to get past Martina Navratilova in the rankings. It's tough. So even in the best days, with the best help, in the best circumstances, it's hard being a mother. Way to go. Those of you who have served with your own children, those of you who have spiritually brought up other children, it's hard work, but it's rewarding work. And God wants to use you in a unique way. Don't let our society say that that's a poor choice or there's something better than this. So Eunice, a godly woman working hard by faith, goes through many trials. I love the story of a mother of three who had notoriously unruly kids and was once asked, if you had it to do over again, would you have children? And she said, yes, but not these ones. <laughs> it's trial. It's frustrating. The love of a mother never quits. It is never exhausted. It never changes or tires. It endures everything through good repute, or bad, a mother's love continues on. 1 Corinthians 13, love lasts forever. So she conquered well by faith, and she conquered well through many trials, and she conquered well through many trials, being devoted to her children, being devoted to teaching them the truth of Scripture. Now, she was devoted, I'm sure, in many ways, in many normal ways, but this was the passion of her heart because if you go to chapter 3 in 2 Timothy, and we haven't come there yet in our series, but I want you to jump ahead for we have some more insight into this godly woman. Paul says to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, but as you continue in what you have learned from me and become convinced of because you know of whom you've learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying you've learned many things from me and you're following on but you've also learned these things from your mother and from your grandmother as well. From infancy, verse 15. That's a very interesting word. The Greek word brephos is used to speak of John the Baptist in the womb. It's used to speak of the Lord Jesus born in the manger in Bethlehem. It's the earliest years 
maybe even before the child understands. And there was Eunice transmitting her faith. Probably at the very beginning when Timothy was born, Eunice wasn't a believer. But what she did transmit was her knowledge of the Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures, verse 15, refers to the Old Testament because the New Testament had not been written at that time. It's called holy because it's God-breathed. And later on, Paul's writings and Peter's writings are going to be joined into the same canon, into the same consideration as the Holy Scriptures of old that were God-breathed, according to verse 16, and they'll be called Scripture. The wonderful Word of God is able to make you wise to salvation. That's why you need to read it. That's why you need to learn it. That's why you need to believe it and follow it. I think her initial goal was to make Timothy wise unto salvation. And then when she came to faith in Christ, her goal would be to bring him to saving faith. That's the import of the last part of verse 15, to make you wise to salvation that is, through faith in Jesus Christ. Her ultimate goal was that Timothy would share the word. Because when you continue on into chapter 4, the very first thing that Paul says to Timothy is preach the word. That's now your responsibility. The word that you learned as an infant, that you embraced when you came to some understanding of its truth, Timothy, I want you to teach that word and share that word. There is nothing more exciting than sharing the living word of God with people who need Jesus. Whether you're a mother talking to your own children or you're hoping to be a spiritual parent talking to others. I like what Guy King says about this portion of Scripture. He, he's a commentator it comes from England in uh, the early 20th century. People are almost always drawn to God by a chain. Timothy was the last link. Mother Eunice was another. Granny Lois was the first. Although some people are especially gifted and used to be the last link, that is, the evangelist who brings in the harvest, all links make a valuable and significant contribution. Let us see that in touching lives and people for God, we need to join others in that long link that ultimately, hopefully, will bring them to saving faith in Christ. Let there be no missing links in this great enterprise of transmitting the gospel to the next generation. Way to go, girl. Awesome. And, and I'm not saying that women can't work outside of the home. I'm not saying that women aren't gifted. I'm not trying to put them down to a lowly task. I'm to, trying to raise up to the biblical level this important task, this grand task of influencing the next generation. And that's exactly what Eunice did. We read in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and don't forsake your mother's teaching. 
The same thing is said as Proverbs chapter 6. It's not just your dad, it's your mom too. And embrace that teaching with all of your heart. Why? Because as a parent, you have the opportunity to sanctify. That's a big word. To sanctify your kids. Your spouse, too. Listen to 1 Corinthians 7. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his believing wife. And the unbelieving wife can be sanctified through her believing husband. And your children can be sanctified as well. Now, sanctified doesn't mean saved in the sense that all your sins are forgiven and you become born again simply because you're close to another Christian. But it means you've got a unique position. You have a special place. Sanctify means to be set apart. You have been set apart to a unique privilege. When you travel around the world and see people in other cultures, your heart goes out to them. In many ways, you are humbled because you realize that Americans can be so arrogant. But there's something else that happens. You're thankful that God, by His grace, allowed you to be born in a country like this with so many opportunities. You've been set apart in a unique way. You say, well, I didn't have a very good home. God had other plans, but has brought to you some good and godly people who can help set you apart and point you to Christ as spiritual parents. Parental faith cannot sanctify or ultimately save. Only personal faith can truly save. And that's the kind of love that Eunice had for her boy. Every Mother's Day, almost every Mother's Day, a lady will come up to me and say, Pastor, are you preaching on Proverbs 31? And it's not like, are you preaching on Proverbs 31? It's, are you preaching on Proverbs 31? Hit me over the head, just kill me. Because you, you lift the bar so high in Proverbs 31, it's like no one can meet that standard. But the unique thing about Eunice is, although basically everything we read about her is good, she's a human being who wasn't perfect. There's this new ad on, uh, on uh, radio about being a foster parent, and it starts out with not being a perfect parent, and kids will put up with the fact that you're not perfect. It's a good ad. No one's perfect. Someone said every parent should be uh, arrested for child abuse and their point was this your bad traits are going to be impressed upon your dear children that's child abuse there's no way to avoid it because you and I aren't perfect we're not talking about the horrors of child abuse we're talking about giving to our children things we wish we wouldn't give them like an old nature some of that has passed down. And when you see yourself in your kids, sometimes it's not a pretty picture. 
Oh, but overcoming all of that by faith, genuine faith, real faith, sincere faith, they will rise up and call you blessed. Because you sacrificed. You did what God called you to do. Not to just give birth to a person, but to love and train and discipline that individual. Someone said, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of priest. (laughs) Years ago, a young mother was making her way across the hills of South Wales in a horrible blizzard. The blizzard came up and she had a tiny baby in her arms. The blizzard hit with such fury that she didn't make her destination. She died. And researchers found her body, or searchers found her body finally covered in a mound of snow. But they discovered before her death that she had taken off all her outer clothing and wrapped it around her little baby boy so that when they uncovered the snow from the woman's body and then uncovered the baby from all the wrappings, the baby was still alive. And they took that child and brought him to immediate care. Years later, that child became David Lloyd George, the Prime Minister of Great Britain. It is amazing to me what a mother's love will do. And that love is merely an expression of God's love for us in giving us wonderful mothers. Way to go, woman. You're willing to follow God and accomplish the greatest calling in the world. May others rise up and join your troop and live as you lived for the glory of God. You know what will make South Church a great church? Godly women. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will cause us to be grateful today. Cause us to be thankful. Especially if you've given to us a wonderful, godly woman as our mother. Or Lord, thankful for those women who have come into our lives and played the role if we didn't have one ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for those women who persevere against great odds to love their kids or adopt others when they don't have kids. Thank you, Lord, that you have so designed this family unit that together, father and mother are true partners and can influence the next generation with the gospel of Christ. Speak to our hearts, speak comfort to women today and let them know that theirs is an awesome task that can be done by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit that will result in God being glorified and those women being honored. In Jesus' name, amen.